0: Hello again, this is Lisa, and you are listening to episode two of I Love That Movie. Um, If this is your first time listening, I just want to let you know that this is a movie lovers podcast. It is not a review. It is not unbiased. Um, If you're looking for a honest review, you need to look elsewhere. This is going to just be us chatting about how much we love movies. So every week I'm going to have a guest on. And we are going to record a podcast for you guys just discussing an awesome movie that we love. Today, I have a returning guest. It's episode two, so. I mean, he's returning. He was in episode one. I was. Uh, it's Nick Ward.
1: <laughs> That's me back
0: and again. He's back again. Nick, what movie did you want to discuss this week?
1: Pulp Fiction.
0: Pulp Fiction. Okay. Okay. I guess we will start off with just kind of reading you guys the um, synopsis real quick. Prizefighter Butch Coolidge has decided to stop payment on a deal he's made with the devil. Honey Bunny and Pumpkin are young lovers and small-time thieves who decide they need a change of venue. Meanwhile, two career criminals, Vincent Vega and Jules, go about their daily business of shooting up other crooks that are late on payments made to their boss. While one is asked to babysit their boss's dangerously pretty young wife, The other suddenly realizes that he must give up his life of crime.
1: I don't think I've ever heard the synopsis read straight through in a linear way. Yeah, I know. It almost sounds like a different movie. It really does
0: sound different. So, you know, this movie obviously is, like you said, not linear. It's uh, completely out of order, but we'll get into that too. Okay, I'm gonna throw out a couple quick facts uh, here before we start talking about the plot and everything else. This movie came out in 1994,
1: good year
0: good year uh it won best writing screenplay written and directed for the screen for quentin tarantino and roger avery at the oscars also won a golden globe for best screenplay uh motion picture again quentin tarantino so i guess you know the biggest strength of this film obviously is the writing so
1: writing the dialogue yeah the writing of the dialogue
0: (laughs) the writing of the dialogue that's
1: what that's what they do
0: and on that note uh the word fuck is repeated 265 times. Oh, fuck. <laughs> and we talked about, uh, we were talking about before we recorded this, that that seems kind of like a low number.
1: We saw Logan the other day, and I think IMDB said it, had it 34 times.
0: I felt like every time Logan said anything, the word fuck was punctuated at the end. So 34 sounds low.
1: It does. And even when <laughs> like, um, Xavier said it a few times, that was pretty funny.
0: So, this movie also opened the same date as Shawshank Redemption, and each were nominated for seven Academy Awards. Totally different end of the spectrum, but kind of cool. Also, one other quick fact I got from... Most of my facts I got from IMDB, this one was from Wikipedia, said that the genre of this movie is a black comedy neo-noir crime flick. I think that's kind of interesting because this is the second noir film we reviewed in two weeks. I don't know if that's just, like, the 90s, or what do you think? I think it
1: is. <laughs> I mean, it's, it was probably the genre to go with back then.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking, like, Dick Tracy. There's quite a few I think movies. that was, was that,
1: that was early 90s, I think.
0: Yeah.
1: I was a but, big fan of that when I was a kid. Me randomly. Too.
0: Yeah. It's cool. Gangster movies are cool. <laughs> Let's talk about, uh, when you saw it. How old were you when you saw Pulp Fiction?
1: I don't think I was old enough, but I think I was... I think... I want to say freshman in high school. We saw it one night uh, at my friend Dave's house. We just kind of randomly watched it because that's what you do. You hear about a movie enough and then you finally go and watch it.
0: Did you rent it from the video store or did he own it?
1: I really don't. I think we rented it because I don't see Dave's mom letting them have that movie.
0: So were you guys like watching this? She wasn't
1: really strict on what movies we watched. I just don't see them owning it, because he had two little brothers.
0: Oh, that makes sense. So the first time, I'm trying to think of the first time I saw this. Well, I know that before you and I were dating, uh, and I'm going to say I was 19 or 20, you guys were all going to go see Pulp Fiction at the Inwood. It was a night show. Yeah, they were showing it showing. At,
1: the, at the theater, because... kind of when they re-show an old movie.
0: Yeah, and so the Inwood, for those of you that don't know, we live in Dallas, and the inwood was like uh it's a theater that shows a lot of older films and
1: It's a really small thing. I think they only have like four screens. It's a very old school style. They still have like the round ticket booth out front.
0: Yeah, we have a couple like that. The Inwood, the Granada, um, or I don't know if the Granada shows movies anymore that used to. They
1: used to. I don't know if they do. I think do it's now. just a
0: venue now. And then the Texas Theater, I know it still does too, but this is, you know, pre-Alamo draft house yeah. days. So a long time ago. So we went to go see Pulp Fiction at the Inwood. We all agreed to go. I show up at I think our friend Drew's house yeah. and all of you guys are dressed up and I'm like, what's going on? I had never seen Pulp Fiction before and you guys all were wearing suits.
1: Our cheap thrift store suits. <laughs> we probably spent like a $10 on. But yeah, but you
0: looked sharp. Um, But yeah, Drew's sister, she was like, let's do an impromptu photo shoot and took all these cool pictures of you guys holding guns. And like, I was just really surprised and kind of like, what's going on? You know, walking into that movie knowing nothing about it.
1: We had already all had the Kool-Aid.
0: Yeah, I was kind of like, just didn't know anything about it. So we go to the movie theater and turns out they don't have the rights to show the movie. They don't either. They don't have the movie real or they didn't have the rights at all. I can't remember.
1: I want to... Both sound right, but I don't know if for, either they didn't get the reel or it couldn't be loaned to them for some reason. I don't remember.
0: And so to make up for it, they're like, "You guys can watch Kill Bill," which had like just come out.
1: Yeah, I mean that was that was cool, but I think it had come out literally three or four months before.
0: Yeah, so we just I mean we do see it. Which I saw twice in
1: theaters, anyways.
0: Yeah, I mean I, I think I saw it with you guys too. Uh, but yeah, so we didn't we didn't see it. And then I just didn't see it for another couple of years. Yeah, we didn't do anything about it. <laughs> yeah, I think I think we all went to IHOP or something after and that. And cried. Yeah, I don't know if we cried. Well, maybe you cried, cried, but I didn't. I attribute a lot of my film taste to my uncle, Gil, who had a really big movie collection and lived with my dad for a time. I think he loaned us Pulp Fiction.
1: Yeah, seems and... like his, his, his type of movie.
0: Yeah, so we watched it. Um, one funny thing about it is when the gimp scene came up, I think my dad and my uncle were there. And just for those of you out there, my dad used to be a pastor. Um, and my uncle is also extremely religious. And they saw this scene and they both went, oh my God, I forgot about this. Like yeah, they a lot recommended people, it to a me. Lot of,
1: most <laughs> people forget about that scene. I think because that scene doesn't really have much to do with the rest of the movie. It's just kind of in there because that whole part, we'll get into later, but that whole part is so weird.
0: Made for some really awkward family conversation. Um, you know what? Let's get into Quentin Tarantino. The man. The man. The legend. (laughs) So, Quentin Tarantino is Nick's favorite director, right?
1: Yes. And I think,
0: yeah, it's being generous because I think Nick is in love with Quentin Tarantino. Uh, No. Yeah, I think he wishes that he was married to him and not me. It's cool, I get it.
1: Um... If you're listening Quentin.
0: He's listening.
1: I'll file for a divorce.
0: <laughs> he he will. Nick went through a, a time period. Can I can I say this? I guess. So when we were first dating. Wait, no, dating, don't say it. <laughs> too late. I'm gonna do it. Um so when we were first dating, there were a lot of times when we were at a bar. I wouldn't say a lot, but there were times when we were at a bar and we were both having a couple drinks, and I call them Tarantino sightings.
1: They were sightings.
0: They were kind of like Elvis sightings, but Nick would see Quentin Tarantino, like, mm-hmm. he would yeah. be look-alikes, quote-unquote, no. literally look nothing I like I don't him. think
1: there's any Tarantino look-alikes. He, he looks like Quentin Tarantino.
0: Nick would often point to someone and be like, that looks like Quentin Tarantino, and I'd look no, over... No, I'd say, that
1: is Quentin Tarantino.
0: And then I'd look over, and it's like, a mop, or, I was like, Nick, that's a mop. <laughs> that is not Quentin Tarantino. It was Tarantino. never a mop. It was, it was always a person. It was a mop. Doesn't Tarantino live in Texas, too? I don't think so. I think he lives like in Austin or has a place in Austin. I think he
1: has a house. I don't think he lives here. But we're
0: in Dallas, so. So was this your first Quentin Tarantino movie, or?
1: I think it was the first one I saw, and I think this is what kind of... I hadn't seen anything like it before. I guess for young, like teenage, for it being the first one, nowadays you can see any of them, but for the first one it was kind of it stood out, I hadn't seen anything like that.
0: Yeah, it was just really different from the other movies he'd seen.
1: And I guess being that young, I didn't really like seek out his other films. I just kind of over the years would see them and be like, oh, that's that Tarantino guy again. And eventually I'd probably within a few, few or several years, I'd seen all of them. I think there were only three up until then and then uh, Kill Bill 1 was the first one of his films I saw in theaters. Okay. New. Cool.
0: Yeah. What? Uh, which one is your favorite?
1: I don't know if I could say favorite because I like... I don't know if I like them one more than the others. I like them all for different reasons. But I think if I had to pick, if we're going by pick your favorite kid... I think it would probably be a tie between Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs.
0: Yeah, I think I feel the same way. And I think, in general, that's how people rank these films. I think that these two films, Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction, are at the top of the list.
1: They're, I think, his most dialogue heavy.
0: Well, I would say he definitely converted me. I I think Pulp Fiction was probably the first one that I saw too. Um, And I think right after that we watched Reservoir Dogs. I think, actually, out of the two, I, I like Reservoir Dogs even a little bit more.
1: You know, actually, I still have the Reservoir Dogs Special Edition, which comes in a small um, metal gas canister DVD case.
0: We should probably do that that one sometime, too. We could fun. do a whole Tarantino series.
1: I'd forgotten I had the, that one. I think I like um, Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs because they don't feel like a big Hollywood movie.
0: Yeah, that's a pretty good uh, assessment.
1: I think every one of his movies is definitely, um, you can tell it's Tarantino. And I really liked *Inglorious Bastards and Django. But they have kind of like a big picture feel.
0: Oh yeah, I'm sure the budget was much bigger. I mean, these two films that we mentioned, uh, Reservoir Dogs and...
1: First one, first couple ones.
0: Right, they're limited budget. And so then he really has to make the dialogue work. I mean, I'm totally fine with the director, you know, kind of stretching his legs and and trying different things. Oh yeah, I
1: I really like both of those movies for, like I was saying, different reasons. I like each movie, but definitely different reasons from the Pulp Fiction.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: The newest, or the latest one, it's not new anymore, but Hateful Eight, that was kind of like a return to a Pulp Fiction style, I feel.
0: Yeah, I, feel. I still have that big budget feel with just the, it being a period piece and their costumes, but uh dialogue heavy. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, it all takes place in that one, that one roomed cabin. Yeah. And then you don't really even notice it, but then towards, I want to say the last quarter of the movie, he does the old switcheroo and starts showing you stuff out of order. Mm-hmm goes back to the beginning even though you thought you saw the beginning yep it's like nope this started the day before or something like that
0: yeah love that okay
1: let's talk about the plot
0: Okay, so we're going to dive into the plot and just kind of talk about what we liked about it. Um, I mentioned earlier that it's filmed out of order, unlike that synopsis that really cleanly wrapped it up. I like that, but that's not (laughs) the movie, right?
1: I feel like the synopsis doesn't do it justice.
0: Oh my gosh, there's so many good scenes in this movie. The fact that it's not sequential doesn't matter because every scene's dialogue, I think, wraps up so well at the end. You know,
1: I know we're going to talk about it later, but I think that was the first role I ever saw, like... Uh, Tim Roth in and they're yeah. like Tim Roth every every person in this movie is awesome but yeah the whole diner scene at the very beginning they're kind of like they're chatting and you're like okay these are just regular like stick them up bank robbers when like honey bunny like jumps up and starts screaming at everyone and then fucking Dick Dale starts playing you're like oh this movie is awesome
0: yeah it, it really pulls you in I watched
1: five minutes and this movie's already awesome
0: Right. I, I do think that that's something he does really well, too. When I think about all my favorite movies, a lot of them are like gangster... Gritty crime drama. Sh- shut up. <laughs> uh, they are. They're gritty crime dramas. They're also gangster flicks. Gangster flicks. For some flicks. reason... Yeah. When you look like at my crooked movie cops,
1: taste... cops, <laughs> detectives...
0: I don't know why, though. I don't know where it comes from. Like, the thing is, if you look at, like... Okay. I'm kind of an outspoken feminist. I know it's bad word out there sorry you guys just, that's
1: the other f sorry
0: word. i'm a woman yeah for real it <laughs> is sometimes feminist but um
1: this is the nc 17 rating though yeah i mean you said the f word
0: <laughs> it's the original f word um but no i you know i i do i am i i believe in equal rights for everybody and and i'm all about that Yet, all the movies I pick, I feel like could be compared to the uh, the top 10 list of like a teenage boy. Like, they're so, they're so like... Cool! Cool! Guns! <laughs> yeah, no, no, I feel like a lot of my tastes in movies, I mean, I think if you looked at the lineup of the movies and you're like, this is a dude bro, like, it's like, it's like Goodfellas, Pulp Fiction, like... I love Goodfellas. I know! Okay. But... Yeah, like, a lot of the movies I like, you could, I think, I, personally, I think, misconstrue as sexist. You'd be like, that's not
1: Lisa's List.
0: No, Lisa's List is, like, the Joy Luck Club, and...
1: You do like End that of movie, List. <laughs> <I do. laughs> End of List.
0: End of List. <laughs> um, no, but it's like, I don't know, I like movies where people are put in situations, and they're kind of, like, the product of their environment, if that makes that, sense. That is one
1: thing I do like about Tarantino films. Like, he takes very ordinary characters and puts them in like extraordinary like situations like um once again i guess this podcast will be out of order but like (laughs) after that scene you return back to the diner like probably an hour and a half later which is actually just literally the second it cuts off in the in the movie it, it picks back up an hour and a half later and i feel like these two wannabe criminals trying to like rob this place totally do not expect like these two hitmen to be there
0: yeah, that's a really turned, cool story. it
1: really uh, turns the world upside down. Also, I had the bad motherfucker wallet for probably two or three years before it fell apart.
0: <laughs> yeah, I got you that one. Um, yeah, I think we're at I think uh, at, a con. I think it, at probably Atlanta. Dragon, con. Dragon con yeah. in Atlanta. That wallet, that apparently, Quentin Tarantino was his wallet.
1: It was his personal wallet. Yeah, yeah.
0: from like Shaft, I think. He I think like it was. Shaft. Which makes yeah. sense
1: why Samuel Jackson had it.
0: That wallet made you so popular. Oh yeah, I know. I'd pull up the-
1: Well, at the same time, I had the bad motherfucker wallet and my credit card had the BAT symbol on it. The Batman logo.
0: You guys, if you want to pick up chicks, Batman credit card. Get a
1: Batman credit card. For real. Not the shitty one from the movie. Oh yeah,
0: I forgot about that. (laughs) (laughs) I wish you hadn't mentioned it.
1: This- oh, just- just end podcast. This is over.
0: It's over. I'm done.
1: No, but okay, that was just the way everything has to. to everyone deals with situations like, man, you think um, Butch has it rough whenever he decides to not throw the fight. It only gets worse from there. Yeah, like uh, he's got hitmen after him, but then he fucking gets caught by the spider. Spider's got himself a couple of flies. <laughs> that scene is that scene is so weird when like they like open that cage and the gimp comes out totally unexplained
0: okay it
1: it happens and then it's over they don't explain it why they have it they don't go back to it ever i mean that's just i've shown this to like two or three people that have never seen it but when that part's coming up i'm like looking over at them i'm like what are they gonna do when this happens i they are not expecting what if they
0: looked over and you were like wearing a gimp suit (laughs) i want that to happen i
1: just i feel like they're like oh man this is getting weird and then the Gimp have are like, wait, what? what I think
0: what happened? you should do is like right after they watch it, just be like, have you seen American Horror Story season one? <laughs> season like, one, yeah. just start recommending like.
1: That was good leading up to that. I'm just, once again, I'm just going out of order since the movie is. I just, yeah. I love that scene. Butch is in his fucking little, I think it's like a late 70s, early 80s model Honda Civic before they were like the size of an actual car. And he just sees Marcellus walking across the street with a box of donuts. And he's like, I'm going to run him over. I mean, that's a terrible plan, but. <laughs> yeah. And then, that was, oh, then, and then after he hits him, he gets shot and uh, what's her face? Kathy, Kathy Lee Griffith?
0: Mm-hmm. Has her
1: tiny little cameo, which is in several Tarantino films.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. Is he like a big fan of her?
1: Or... I don't know, but I know she was in that and, um, Four Rooms.
0: I really like I think Four she Rooms.
1: was... Not necessarily in the Tarantino chapter, but she was in Four Rooms. Do you want to rein me in? Because I can go about Tarantino uh, oh Fiction all There's day no long. We haven't even, even, like, touched on the main story. Like, <laughs> okay, well, we haven't even brought up, like,
0: um... Uh... Oh, I know. I feel like we're in the first ten minutes.
1: <laughs> well, I've been going, like, all over the place.
0: Well, okay. So, let's talk about... You wanted to talk about the plot. So, we've covered the diner scene. We've covered, uh... I guess Butch's aspect of it. Um, yeah. Do you want to talk about uh, anybody else? or?
1: One thing I do think is funny, I'm sure people have noticed, or some people haven't, when they go in to kill Brad, is it Brad? Watch the movie, they say two different names. Oh, um, really? Yeah. They they go in, I think it's like in the morning, but for some reason they have recently bought a bag full of... Uh, Big Kahuna burgers so they're oh, eating yeah. these burgers in the morning. I always thought that was kind of funny. It's like I guess they're just supposed to be like just Nobody stoner or whatever is just doing Trying to be in the the gangster world with the big fish or whatever
0: I don't know if it's like completely accurate But I read a lot of facts where like 420 is like the clock time on a lot of clocks in that movie
1: It could be I mean it's Drugs are very heavily like shown in this movie, true. But when you talk about Pulp Fiction just to someone else, you usually don't remember most of the drugs, even though that's such a big, pivotal scene where Uma Thurman gets like the like adrenaline shot, yeah, stuck in her chest because she OD'd on um, all that crazy heroin, who knows what heroin,
0: yeah. I will say this movie has so many iconic shots, and I, I oh, yeah. thought about that the other day. Like every... people that have
1: never seen the movie, everyone knows the John Travolta dance scene in it.
0: Oh, I was reading I about, mean, about everyone that today. Does that. that like people uh, accuse him of it being a copy from a 1963 film, um, Eight and a Half, but he said it was not. It was more. Of a, based off another director that like would insert dance numbers into his movies and i have to say like that's something that's always really stuck with me because i really like that scene and it doesn't feel unnatural in that movie at all and it is one of the biggest things you remember about that movie yeah, is that dance that's what i but
1: people that have never seen the movie know the dance scene
0: yeah and it, it's interesting because it fits seamlessly into that movie how why like I mean, they interrupt that movie to do that dance, and yet it doesn't feel that way. I mean, it's just, you know, credit to Quentin Tarantino as a director and a writer. I don't know why. He just knows what's going to stick with us, you know?
1: I think one of the, the funny things was when we finally got a chance to see this in theaters, we went to Alamo and they have like menus. That cor- correlate with the movie, and they had the $5 milkshake. It
0: was probably like a downgrade for them. The milkshake sh- probably should have been a lot more. It was a
1: shoot along. A shoot along. Not just, just a quote along. It was a shoot along, quote along. They gave us all like cap guns. It was awesome.
0: I do feel like Alamo is one of those places where I'm like, I wish this existed when I was a teenager because yeah, I would have literally great. been there every Give us year. Money. Alamo, send t shirts.
1: <laughs> one thing I do want to bring up I have heard theories but I want to see if anyone else has heard the same theory or, um, or what other people think. I mean, this movie probably has tons of theories floating around, but in the scene where... which I think is the first scene chronologically where Butch is in the uh, bar talking to Marcellus and he's telling him to throw the fight, they zoom in specifically on like this band-aid on the back of his neck. I was like, I wonder what, why do they did that. And I heard this weird theory that what was in the case when people open it and all that bright light comes out is Marcellus' soul. I mean, it sounds like a crazy theory, but it's a Tarantino I don't think film. So. Yeah,
0: and not I'm kind at of, all. of like,
1: it's a band aid, like where they extracted it or something, or.
0: Well, I read that the band aid thing was an accident, but the the suitcase part of it. Is definitely open to interpretation and I think like even if the band-aid part is an accident then you know Quentin Tarantino used it
1: and if it isn't okay complete soul theory set aside if it is a complete accident it makes sense because stuff like that in the real world happens you see someone they might have a band-aid on right it makes the film seem more realistic I agree like Marcellus he's got like a shaved head so maybe he just cut the base of his I think neck that's shaving. how he did it, yeah. Is that actually, yeah. that's probably what happened. That's what I read. I've always thought that was kind of interesting and kind of fun.
0: Let's transition into the actors now. Let's talk about John Travolta. When he was cast in this role, he was kind of on the outs.
1: Oh, he was a wash up by now. hmm I mean, he had had his time in the late 70s, right? and early 80s, that was like his prime time.
0: Yeah, it would be like hiring Justin Bieber. I don't know. Pretty bad though.
1: Mm.
0: <laughs> Will anyone hire him?
1: No, they shouldn't.
0: Um, what do you think about his character in the movie?
1: It's hard to have a favorite character in this movie, but easily a favorite. I agree. I think uh, I just know that we're talking about characters. I can do characters and plot, but like his—he's such a badass. Like almost on accident, because he's kind of—he's kind of dumb. But I thought the funniest thing about this movie was how shitty his demise was he was fucking using the toilet in butch's apartment and butch just happened to be there he saw his gun he flushes the toilet he's coming out and just gets blasted away that's that's the end of him and i'm like that's funny because he didn't have like he didn't go out in a blaze of glory he didn't make it to end the film he just got back from like being on vacation or whatever in europe and just gets blasted away two days later Because you you think there's going to be some big, like, conflict there.
0: It's almost like you think that character has more to offer than he really does. (laughs) He's he's just a
1: dumb hitman that's on a bunch of drugs all the time. Yeah. And he just happened to set his gun down, take a shit, and get shot.
0: I mean, after that, I'm trying to think of, like, all the awesome stuff I've seen John Travolta in. When I think of him, I think of Face Off, but I also think of... Recently, we were watching um, O.J. Simpson versus...
1: Oh, oh, the people versus O.J. Simpson. people versus O.J. Yeah. Simpson, yeah. I think that's the most recent thing he's been in.
0: It was good. It was really good. Okay. I, like,
1: forgot that was him. Each well, time he looks he, like, crazy. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I was like, he's melting. What's happening? <laughs> it was insane. Uh, okay, let's go on to Uma Thurman now. Um, well, one thing I really respect about Tarantino is... He puts female characters in his movies and they are not. I mean, okay, they're the main character. They're very interesting, but they fit into their timeline. Like, he makes it to where they fit into the environment that they're in, but they're not waifs. They're not just the girlfriend. Like, I feel like Uma Thurman almost takes over this movie. It's It's almost like she kind of
1: is. She's the mob boss's girlfriend, she gets her way no matter what.
0: Yeah, I feel like, uh, like people Vega, are
1: scared of her, almost like if this makes sense. Scared of her in a good way. She's intimidated. very intimidated. Yeah.
0: Yeah, she's she's really cool, and he's he's trying to keep up with it the whole scene. And he, yeah, because he knows his, he can't.
1: His whole job in that scene is to make sure she has a good night.
0: Yeah, because like
1: Marcel's does protected and have fun. She Marcel's does not want her to like just sit at home bored. She has to be entertained twenty four seven.
0: And like. You have this feeling that you know he obviously wants to be. And with that's her. including
1: powdering her nose. Yeah. <laughs> God
0: damn. God damn. So he's he's babysitting her, but he's in, he's falling in love with her. I feel like every second of the movie. Yeah. But so intimidated by her, and then and then she almost dies, which I feel like is the worst possible scenario of a date. Like. <laughs> The, the scene where she gets the adrenaline shot, I mean, that I, like I said before, Quentin Tarantino has this gift of providing scenes oh, so that intense. stick with you, like, forever Yeah. Oh, that was
1: right when he wrecked his car, that early in the film he was saying, like, some douchebag keyed the car or whatever, and it's like he just plows it into the side of the house just to try to save her. Because he knew if he didn't, I mean,
0: He's dead. the car
1: doesn't matter anymore.
0: Yeah. Uma Thurman is one of those actresses that, you know, when I try to think of all the great things she's been in, I don't know. I keep coming back to Tarantino. When we watched this movie, I thought her performance is so big for what a small part she has. Well, you know,
1: in this movie, her and Tarantino were shooting ideas back and forth about a film or an idea called The Bride. Really? Which later became Kill Bill. Okay. So, yeah, they were like talking about that while they were filming um, Pulp Fiction. That makes so, a that lot of idea sense. had been like in his head for years.
0: Okay, well, let's transition into Samuel L. Jackson.
1: <laughs> oh, this is... I say I'm a huge Tarantino and Samuel L. Jackson fan, but I can unfortunately not recite Samuel L. Jackson's um, Bible verse. You know, he was supposed to have an afro in that movie.
0: I read that. that but the he Jer- sho- the-
1: he showed up in a jerry curl, and Tarantino just thought, okay, we'll roll with it.
0: I mean, Samuel Jackson's just that kind of person where, like, he can show up and say, this is what I'm going to do, so.
1: And and you do it.
0: I think he did that in The Kingsman, too. Like, I don't think that character is supposed to have a list, but he just rolled with it.
1: And I'm it like, really worked. It
0: effective, yeah.
1: It really made that character.
0: Whenever I think of Samuel L. Jackson, I automatically think of uh, Deep Blue Sea.
1: When the shark eats him?
0: Yes. They it, ate me. That of. motherfucking shark ate me. Oh my gosh, that and, like, Snakes on a Plane.
1: Oh yeah, that's fun. We need to do that one. But yeah, Samuel Jackson's character, Jules, is so awesome in this movie. He's, like, way more seasoned than uh, than Vince is. But I guess he's still just a hired gunman, you know?
0: Yeah. I love that he, like, finds Jesus in the movie, though, and, like, changes his mind. He's kind of like, I'm done now. I'm
1: not gonna do that.
0: Okay, so on to Bruce Willis.
1: I feel like for this whole movie stemming... From Bruce's actions, you don't see him very much. That being said, like, he's got some very good scenes in it. You know what most scene everyone forgets even more so than the Gimp scene? The taxi ride scene. Yes. When the, the, ta- the creepy taxi, there's like really sexy lady, but she's like creepy. The light but
0: on her eyes. Is like it's very so old school. Like, yeah. yeah.
1: Like an old, like 1940s film or something where... When they're trying to show, like, something dramatic, they do, like you said, the light just on their eyes. But I like the way he did it, because she, like, it's the light from the mirror, the rearview mirror, so it's kind of realistic. But, but he's just, like, unwrapping his uh, his gloves, and they're covered in blood because he fucking killed the guy. He's supposed to throw the fight, but I think he decides not to. I don't think he meant to kill the guy. But he goes, and him and his little girlfriend... She's French, right? So, French girlfriend, they're supposed to just get out of town or get out of the country, probably.
0: I really like the pot belly scene.
1: Oh, yeah, punch. You punch my pot belly. <laughs> that the, the next morning scene always makes me want blueberry pancakes.
0: Oh, yeah, she's so cute. I just love her. She okay. forgot
1: his watch on the little kangaroo. Oh, Chris. Uh,
0: He's on my list. Oh, he
1: is? Okay. Yes. That is so great. I was going to say, because this is leading into the watch scene. Go ahead
0: and talk about Christopher Walken.
1: Christopher Watkins is an old like war buddy of a young Bruce Willis, Butch's dad. And so pretty much Butch's dad, I guess, dies in the war thing. So Christopher Watkins is his dad's buddy. He comes and brings his effects or whatever to the house, and he's got this gold watch. And of course Christopher Watkins delivers the lines flawlessly and he's like, We were we were captured. I'll try to do it. He's like, We were captured and your dad wanted you to have this watch. And I knew if they found me they'd take the watch. So I stuck the watch. Up my ass. (laughs) And I forget how long it was, but it was like years. He's like, I had that watch for years. And he kept it, up my ass
0: it's such a good and he, scene and I
1: want you to have it. he hands his gold watch to this like little little kid butch and he just kind of takes it and it's such a like funny scene because Christopher Walken is literally in it for like that two or three minute long like speech but he's all, his name is on the post because you know, that speech is so like
0: it's amazing
1: almost iconic now
0: I think like Christopher Walken, I mean, we grew up in a good time where he was in that... Oh, uh, he was
1: in a bunch of stuff oh, back yeah. in the day.
0: What was that video he was in? Chemical oh, the No, or? it
1: was um, Fat Boy Slim Weapon of Choice.
0: Oh my gosh. He was like That's dancing and flying around the
1: hotel. Yeah, Christopher Walken's, for having literally three minutes of of springtime, like was awesome.
0: He was like, I'll show up one day and just take over this world. I mean,
1: the whole like... Was As a kid, so
0: my biggest like, memory of him is on SNL, like, the, the Continental. The Continental. Yeah. I spilled champagne all over your boobs.
1: He's got that two-way mirror in the bathroom. Oh, my
0: God. We loved it. You left your glove. And he has, it like, a whole creepy, He's like, He's got, like, a drawer full of gloves. Oh, I love him. Okay.
1: Yeah, that, that scene is so short, but it's so funny.
0: Okay, so going back to the, uh, the robbery scene. Let's talk about Tim Roth for a little bit.
1: Oh, I, I think this was the first movie I ever saw Tim Roth in. And I became an instant fan. Oh, for sure. And he's, um, I guess he's not much of a chameleon, because whenever you see him, you're like, oh, it's Tim Roth. But, I mean, he's, I think, I feel like he's a Tarantino favorite, because, um, I mean, he shows up in his most recent Hateful Eight, and, um, He's
0: great in Reservoir Dogs. I mean, Re- he's, oh, like, the yes. star of that movie, Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. he's...
1: The bits, but i think one of my favorite uh, tim roth characters is um uh is it ted ted the bellhop
0: oh yeah
1: yeah in a uh, four rooms is it ted
0: it's ted is yeah
1: it, i think it's ted yeah he's so great and the tarantino segment of four rooms is awesome because tarantino does the last segment the last chapter of four rooms and ted has just had it so he's chops off his finger takes the money leaves with a smile on his face
0: nick and i are, are also like unembarrassed fans of lie to me so
1: that's a Doing fun that show well. tim roth was pretty good in it the show <laughs> eh, tim <sighs> roth 10 thumbs up
0: <laughs> nick and i used to watch that show and just look at each other and go you're lying you're lying <laughs> you're lying I mean, he was awesome. He carried that whole show.
1: Yes, Tim Roth is... I, like I said, I became an instant fan of him when I saw this film. So
0: Nick, why do you love Pulp Fiction?
1: Don't know if I can answer that, but all I can say is it's got everything I want in a film. You know, I've already said it several times, but Tarantino has like some of the best dialogue writing I agree, Yeah. ever or at least in our time, the interaction of all these, like, totally different characters together works flawlessly, and you're like...
0: It feels like a cohesive movie, like, you don't feel like any scene is, uh, misplaced or not Mm. part of the story.
1: Even though each, like, scene is totally different.
0: What, What keeps you coming back to this movie? Why do you think you've seen it so many times?
1: I can quote so many scenes.
0: What do you say to someone that's never seen Pulp Fiction before? Like, how do you hook them? How do you get them to watch this movie?
1: I would warn them in a good way. This movie probably isn't gonna be like anything you've seen, even though there's like millions of movies out there. It's so off the wall and out of order. And it's so fun when you're finally finished the movie and you kind of like replay the movie through your head in chronological order to like, okay, it all makes perfect sense. It's just really neat to really go back and think about it after you've seen it once or twice or three times and really see the plot straight through. Yeah. So it's kind of like, it's almost like a puzzle when you watch it. Even people that aren't super into movies, this movie is so good and fun to watch. Everyone can enjoy it.
0: I think we do need to do like a Tarantino series.
1: I would love to do that.
0: I would, I would like to do that too. Yeah. I mean, that, that's what's really cool about someone being an enthusiastic fan of something, being really passionate and having a lot to say about it, is that you can win people over and you can convert people. I do think you converted me. I'm ready for the church of Quentin.
1: <laughs> Bring on the Kool-Aid.
0: Serious. Thank you guys so much for listening. And if you want to join in the conversation, and just give me your feedback about Pulp Fiction or Dark City or anything we've covered. Uh, you can reach me at aya. Lisa cosplay on my Twitter account. Um, I'd love to hear from you. I really want your feedback, guys. Thank you so much for listening. All right. Bye.